What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Wavelengths. Today, we're talking about the first official week of the MLB season. Steven Heimer is joined by Garrett Cowdray, Kyler Huffman. Garrett, week one, what was the biggest takeaway for you? Shohei Otani is just as he was advertised a couple years ago when he came to the States. We're finally getting to see it. It takes a special baseball player to have the hardest hit ball in terms of exit velocity and the hardest thrown pitch in terms of uh, miles per hour in the same week. I mean, he's the real deal, and hopefully he stays healthy and we get to watch it for a whole 162-game season. Kyler, the same question now to you. Mine is that the Phillies are legit contenders. They had a hot start, and they have all the talent that they need with Harper, Real Muto, Nola, but they haven't been able to put it together the last couple of years, and everyone kind of wrote them off in the beginning, but they seem to look legit. I agree with both of you, and I want to get back to Shohei later, but the Cincinnati Reds, brawls aside, might be putting it all together. This offense has been ridiculous so far. 14 home runs, 54 RBIs, and they've been hit by five pitches. Obviously, the Castellanos one, somewhat warranted, and what happened after I think was a little ridiculous. Him getting suspended for not really doing anything wrong and just sticking up for his team was a bit much to me. And Castellanos is having an incredible week, four home runs, seven RBIs, batting 455, and he has gotten 26 total bases. So Cincinnati, like Kyler mentioned with Philadelphia, I think at least the offense, I think, is going to be there this season. The pitching will wait, obviously, with the loss of Bauer, but I think that their bats are going to be as advertised as they should have been last year. Yeah, I just to picture uh, this this offense, the way they're playing, had this offense been this way this time last year, um, they would have obviously made a deep playoff run. They wouldn't have gotten shut out for 13 innings against the Braves in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, when you their their offense last year was atrocious. It barely batted, batted above 200 as a unit. And now you see what they're doing this year, and you just imagine if they had Bauer again, how scary they would be, especially in the NL Central when there's no real – you know, World Series contender. I think I just imagine how crazy that would be. I agree. They, they spent a lot of money last offseason to try to get their offense going. It didn't quite work out last year, but we're seeing that it, it is this year. So you're right. If they had Bauer, this would be a really scary team. Just the talent that they had pitching for them in years past, if they would have had this offense, they would have been way better off. You know, Cueto way back when. Bauer, Sonny Gray, it it just, they never got it to line up, especially after Dusty left. But now maybe the offense will be there. And like I said, the pitching, hopefully they can pull their end of the bargain. And another guy that I'm surprised the three of us didn't bring up, Yermin Mercedes, eight for eight to start your MLB career. Have a day, why don't you? He's a 28-year-old rookie. He had a 485-foot moonshot the other day, another home run, seven RBIs, batting 556. Obviously not sustainable, but it's something to talk about. It, an incredible start. The White Sox, the expectations are very high. Kyler, I know you were high on them in spring training. 
and this is just a nice story to them. He's obviously it's going to it's going to go down a little bit, but it's just it's just another piece that they don't really need. But is I'm sure they're nice and thankful to have. Absolutely. When Eloy Jimenez went out, they needed they needed someone to carry some of that load offensively. And I mean, Mercedes has done all that and more. I mean, he's he's achieved anything beyond anyone's expectations, even his own probably. So yeah, this has been a great story for him and just another bright spot on Chicago. And my favorite part about this, I think, is the fact that he's a catcher. It's so hard to find consistent uh, strong plate appearances from your catcher. And now you look at the White Sox. Oh, they lost Eloy Jimenez. Yeah. But now you have two catchers on your roster that could produce top 10 batting lines over the course of a season. And I think that's so huge, especially when you get into playoff games and the double headers, when you need your backup catcher to give you good innings when your starting catcher's knees are starting to give out on them. You have two guys that you can count on for, for good plate appearances and good work behind the dish. And I think that gives them a huge edge over other contending teams that don't have consistent play at that position. And the AL Central early on is shaping up to be one of the better divisions. The Tigers, I don't think they'll do much, but they were definitely giving people a little bit of a shock early on. The Royals, that offense – is being considered one of the more underrated ones and how they casually acquired all this talent on this team, Carlos Santana, Ben Intendi, they had Hunter Dozier, Whit Merrifield, Jorge Soler. This could be a top five home run team in the American league. I don't think they'll win the division, but this will be definitely one of the higher scoring teams in the American league. I think. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Um, you look I, when I think of Whit Merrifield, I think of a guy that could lead the league in hits. He's going to bat above three hundred. He's a great leadoff hitter. You know, I see him getting on base for guys like Soler and Dozier. But I mean, he's been hitting in the at the top of that lineup, and he's been hitting some long home runs this season. So maybe you know he's he's expanding his game, and I think that just makes him even more dangerous if they get the pitching staff going. Which Keller's been a bit of a disappointment this year. So if he just gets back to league average, and Merrifield even keeps up somewhat of the pace he's on they could definitely be sneaky contenders getting the playoffs and i mean small market teams do that you saw the rays do it last year i don't think anybody expected them to get to the home run or the world series but uh you could see the same thing with the royals this year just sneaking in and making a splash yeah merrifield has been one of the hottest trade candidates the last how four seasons at least um and a lot of people were questioning why the Royals never traded him because they could have gotten a pretty big haul for him considering his offensive and defensive versatility. But now we're seeing that the Royals are probably closer to contenders than we thought they would be. They're a little bit ahead of schedule in large part, thanks to uh, Merrifield. Yeah. The, the American league central, obviously the twins and the white Sox are probably going to run it, but if the Royals can kind of play spoiler, it might be, an arms race between Chicago and Minnesota in their bats because Minnesota, I think they need another pitcher and Chicago. I Jimenez, we talked about, I think they also could use another pitcher. So if Kansas city can just get average pitching and the bullpen can hold up, 
they could sneak into a wild card spot. I definitely think. Yeah, I agree. There, there are a lot of AL teams that aren't off to starts that a lot of playoff teams in AL that aren't off to very good starts. Oakland, especially. So if Oakland can't turn it around, then that's definitely a playoff spot that's up for grabs. Uh, Cleveland, a lot of people had them as a playoff, as a sneaky playoff team. So those teams haven't lived up to expectations so far. So if that continues, then I can absolutely see Kansas City in there. And I feel like there's a common theme with all the the good AL teams that are expected to make the playoffs. And it's a, you know, great lineup, you know, a lot of great hitters, but uh, questionable rotations. I can't think of one team in the AL where they're pitching outplays their batting that, that actually is a contender. I mean, you look at the Yankees, the Blue Jays, you know, in the AL East, and you look to the AL West where the Angels pitching has always been their problem. You know, they have the best player on the planet and they still can't make the playoffs. So I feel like that puts the Royals in the same boat as a lot of the other great teams because the only questionable thing is getting good innings out of your starters and getting saves from your bullpen. So it could just shape up to be a, an arms race yeah, in the AL and whoever's bats stay hot the longest can sneak into the playoffs. We're talking about teams that have exceeded expectations so far. Obviously, we would be not doing a service as a podcast if we didn't bring up the first place Baltimore Orioles. As much as I'd want it to come true, I don't think they're going to win the AL East. Extremely happy for Trey Mancini. The reception he got opening day, well-deserved. Re- well it, it's incredible to see him back there. He's Uh, an amazing player and an even better person off the field. So to see him get some of the love back that he deserved is just something that you really liked to see. But I mean, we all saw Eduardo Perez's power rankings, which was obviously comedic material, but baseball social media took it and ran with it thinking he was serious. It's going to, if they could not be terrible, and not lose a hundred games. I think they'll consider that a success, even though they won't admit that internally. The Yankees bullpen is just been incredible so far. They have a one ERA, eleven hits. I've, they, like you said, Garrett, they probably have the most complete starting rotation. But it's just every year, like Kyler knows, being a Dodger fan. It's just we get into the playoffs. What's going to go wrong? What are what do we think that we have that we don't? The Blue Who's Jays get injured. <laughs> yeah, the Blue Jays still in Buffalo. I like them in Buffalo a lot. I don't know it, the the whole feeling of their park making it a Rogers Center Junior up in upstate New York. I like it a lot. The ball seems to really like it there too. I I want to see this team with Springer. I want to see how they can contend with the Yankees because it's obviously them head and shoulders above the rest. The Red Sox, I think people were a little too high on in spring training. And then I think when they kind of fell flat, it was to be expected, maybe not being swept by the Orioles. So I think the AL East, like the central, if someone can play spoiler, the Blue Jays or Yankees are also going to need to make a big splash for a pitcher. So I think pitchers are going to be a hot commodity come July 31st. Yeah, 
I mean, you have to keep in mind that the Blue Jays are without their prized rookie starter, Nate Pearson, who was actually my rookie of the year uh, pick a while ago before the season started. So I think they're going to try to see what they can get out of him before they make a big move for a pitcher. But that was definitely going, definitely a concern going into the season for Toronto, who could who could contribute on, on their starting staff after Hunjin Ryu. I, I could see uh, if the Cubs continue to fall flat on their faces like they are, which I, I saw a stat today that said the NL pitchers are actually batting better than the Cubs this yeah. season. You know, I just look at that and I'm like, oh, are you serious? Like, how can you let that happen? But I just think Kyle Hendricks at, at the trade deadline, I mean, he can give you ace stuff. I wouldn't want him to be my ace. I mean, he can, he manages to get people out with his 88 mile an hour fastballs. And I think, teams that are in need of one more good starting pitcher to really make a deep run are going to be calling the Cubs in July if they don't get out of this funk that they're in. Not, you know, Maybe they'll be calling the Cubs about other players too, like Baez and Rizzo but, and Bryant. But I think Kyle Hendricks is going to be the, the hottest pitcher on the market in a few months, especially if the Cubs don't turn it around. The last division to touch on in the AL, we did a little bit before the American League West – like it or not, the Houston Astros are back. They didn't suffer the ridicule we all thought they would last season. A garbage can was thrown on to Angel Stadium. That didn't stop them. They are red hot. This offense has not missed a beat without Springer. They have a run differential of 31 already in one week. They've put up over 50 runs. They're without Verlander, too. Lance McCullers got his money. Zach Greinke doesn't start if he if he starts on opening day. This team now, they are by far the villain, as they should be, as they were last year. They're gonna they're gonna mess around and win the whole division. Uh, it they just they got to get Dusty a ring. The guy deserves one. They're gonna put a, put up a big threat in the AL, and I think. I think they could easily represent the American League in the World Series. Right now, obviously, it's been a week. Overreactions are everywhere. But, yeah, the AL West is one of, you know, like many storylines in this MLB season, an interesting one. Yeah, and if you're not an Astros fan, you can't stand the Astros. That's plain and simple, but it's impossible to ignore the, the bats in that lineup, trash cans or no trash cans. I mean, you look at what Bregman, he had a bad 2020, and he's already come out, of, come out of the gate smoking hot. You have Brantley, who's always been one of the most underrated players in baseball. Altuve's off to a good start after a bad 2020 as well. Correa is trying to get some money in free agency, and he's proven that. And if the pitching, when they get Frambler Valdez back, you know, about midseason, I think that's going to be even better. I think this is going to be a team that could make a deep playoff run and – nobody's going to be happy about it, but they're the villains and they do a pretty good job of it. And I expect them to be playing baseball in October, whether you like them or not. I mean, they're just too good. Yeah, they'll definitely be playing in October, but the angels are only a game behind them right now. And I really like what they're doing right now. They have a hot start sort of under the radar because everyone's focusing on how good the Astros are and how bad the A's are in that division so far. So the Astros are probably the very sensible pick to win the division right now, but don't count out the Angels. 
especially if, if their rotation holds up. They made a couple moves. They don't really have a true bona fide ace unless Otani, you know, stays healthy. But uh, they're, they're back in starters like Canning and Quintana and Heine. If they can just give you sub four ERAs with that offense they have, I mean, they're going to win. They're going to be at least in the wild card contention in the later months of the season. So yeah. they could definitely be a good team. If LA doesn't do something substantial this year, even make a wild card push, when do you pull the plug on the thing? You know, you've spent all this money. For a decade now, obviously, Pujols coming to an end with that big contract. Then you brought in Josh Hamilton. Then you had Mike Trout all on the same team. One playoff appearance. You bring in Otani. He doesn't play a full season yet so far. So the Dodgers, or sorry, the Angels, the time has been ticking. But I like to start, like you guys said, I like to start they've been off to. The pitching is obviously the biggest unknown with them Otani can only do so much he can only bat and pitch so many games Trout can only do everything you know like five days a week he can't do it all seven so the Angels I don't if they can get a pitcher if they could have made like a similar trade that the Mets did with Marcus Stroman did two years ago that would have been a guy that they could have really used so I expect them to make a similar kind of splash then, you know, it, they got to put it together. You got to do it for Mike Trout, if nothing else. I feel like the bad thing with the Angels is no matter what they're playing like, no matter if they flame out and play even better than the A's at midseason, I don't feel like there's an easy way to tear that team apart. They have a lot of hitters leaving their prime still on huge contracts, and it's going to be so hard to move those players. I mean, Pujols is retiring soon. His contract's ending soon. But Upton and even Rendon, if you want to move Rendon, he's going to be hard to move. And if for some reason they decide that they're going to move Trout with that contract, I mean, there's nobody to move with a cheap contract. They're not a team with a great farm system other than Odell, you know. So they they just have to play good. There's really no blowing it up with that team. It's just you play good or we're going to sit here and spend money to finish 81 and 81 for the 20th year in a row. I feel like that's just where they're at. Yeah, I think as long as you have Mike Trout, you have an obligation to compete every single year. There's just no blowing it up because there's nobody that you can trade Mike Trout for that will be better than him at any point, really. I mean, even if even if you get Wander Franco or even if you're trading for him for Tatis, I mean, there's there's no guarantee that anybody you trade him for will be anywhere near as good as he is right now. So you just have to keep trying. I mean, they've, they've given him some good offensive pieces. They just need to figure out that pitching. So Kyle Hendricks might be a good addition there, as you said. Now switching over to the National League. A lot of offense so far in this conference. I want to start with the NL West. Trevor Bauer made his long-anticipated debut a few days ago in Colorado. Dodgers got their rings this afternoon. Tatis is going to be on the shelf for a couple of weeks. Kyler, you're an NL West guy through and through. How is it shaped out so far? Well, as a Dodgers fan, I've loved how it's shaped out so far. Um, I really like what I'm seeing. Our, our offense has sputtered at times, but 
Mookie and Cody Bellinger have been out for a few games. So I'm not I'm not really worried. I still think that the Dodgers are far and away the best team in the league. The Padres obviously need Tatis in order to be real contenders, but their uh, starting pitching additions, Darvish, Snell, they've been as good as advertised, if not better. Um, San Francisco is also a very, very sneaky wild card pick. They were almost in it last year, and they only got better this year. And then Colorado and Arizona also exist. Yeah, I think I want to ask you two questions now about the Dodgers. So, so far in a week, Dodgers have left 70 runners on base. So are you looking at that glass half empty? You know, at least we're getting guys on or glass half full. You know, like we got to bring these guys in. And two, this investigation on Trevor Bauer, which seems like a hit piece from Rob Manfred, but I'll get I'll get into that after your response. So how are you feeling about these runners being left on in this pending investigation on Bauer outage? Yeah, the leaving runner one, as frustrating as it is, right now I'm viewing it as glass half full because it means guys are getting on base. And I think once we're back at full health, I think those guys that are continually getting on that often don't, like AJ Pollock, Austin Barnes, they're starting to get hot a little bit. So I think once we're back at full health, I think that'll be much better. And then the Bauer thing, I really don't – I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I, I have no idea what he's putting on the ball. If it's, if it's illegal, I, I know they have the foreign substance rule now and that they're going to try to crack down on it. But I, I really don't know. I, I know Bauer – if anybody d- does it on the Dodgers, I'm sure it's Bauer. <laughs> Uh, I just oh sorry good no, I was yeah. gonna say wouldn't wouldn't it be ironic if Trevor Bauer a known Astros hater would get suspended for more games than the entire Astros team for putting something on a baseball what if like he was just trying to get through the seventh inning against the Rockies in his first start of the season he gets suspended you know and no no Astros player ever got suspended for doing that for a whole season to win a World Series I just think that would that'd just be a slap in the face to baseball fans and it would just fuel more hate for Rob Manfred. He was already not a very popular guy among the fan base. Yeah. I think I would probably throw something against the wall if that happened. Yeah. So this is a hit piece by Rob Manfred for sure. Um, If you're going to investigate Trevor Bauer, you got to investigate Garrett Cole because it, the same thing happened to him. He spit and sputtered his whole career, goes to Houston, suddenly wins 22 games in a year, signs a $300 million contract. So if you're going to do it to Bauer, you got to do it to Cole. Now, if I'm Jamison Tyone, who also went from Pittsburgh and now is on the Yankees, you got to be weary too because you were teammates with Garrett Cole when he was bad. Now you're teammates with him again. I just said that Garrett Cole should also be watched closely, and it's been – it's been said it's not very common knowledge, but everyone, you know, puts two and two together with Garrett Cole. So Tyone should be aware of the situation. I feel as far as Trevor Bauer goes, what you said, Garrett, it's, it's definitely true. It would be very ironic that Bauer probably the least pro 
Rob Manfred guy would get suspended more than the Astros did. But I, why now, you know, in the first start uh, there, okay. There is no way Trevor Bauer who markets himself greatly. There is no way he would be dumb enough in his first start with all eyes on him to put some kind of substance on the ball. Like, come on. You really think that he would waste this golden opportunity that he's been waiting for all off season and then just to let Rob Manfred, you know, put the cuffs on him. Like it, it's a bit much, but that's how Rob Manfred runs this league. And it, okay. Another thing, since we're talking about Rob Manfred, we got to get rid of this runner on second extra inning rule. Nobody likes it. It, it ruined the game. If you're gonna if you're gonna keep that, keep the DH in the end. No, I was so against that last year. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But but now it works. Get rid of the runner on second. If you're complaining about the game's too slow, don't have extra innings. Then just have it be a tie, because no one likes this rule. It's a stupid rule. I mean, you can give up one single, and the game be over. I hate it so much. It takes away the the tension. I feel like it's just like you're one base hit away from taking the lead at any time. Like it just makes makes extra innings less exciting and it's just it's just dumb like why why would it start in extra innings like there's so many dumb rules like how does that become a rule before the universal dh i that's just how how frustrating baseball has been with rob manford as the commissioner and it's been like that for a while so i'm not surprised it's just so annoying because you know we've all been waiting for universal dh and he's like no no universal dh but uh here take this runner on second for no reason in extras and it's just so annoying yeah, I don't, I don't despise the runner on second rule. I don't, I don't like it, but I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't keep me up at night. But um, with the universal DH thing, I'm just afraid that the league is keeping the universal DH in order as a bargaining chip, really, uh, for the rest of the league. Because when you think about it, the universal DH benefits everyone. It benefits the fans the players, the pitchers especially, the teams, um, the owners, the league, because it makes the game more exciting. I mean, and then when you think about all the guys who would have gotten significantly more money this season had there been a universal DH, Jock Peterson, Kyle Schwarber, um, Marcelo Zuna probably. So it just I, – I hate that the league – doesn't use that doesn't use the universal dh because they're keeping it as a bargaining chip to get what they want oh and i mean i'm 100 sure that's what it is i've been i've been saying that since you know since they put it in and took it away it's just it's clearly just a a bargaining chip at this point and it sucks because it's it's a pr- another prime example of mlb being greedy and keeping fans from seeing more exciting baseball and it's the same way with with their social media rules that you know, the reason you never see MLB highlights on house of highlights or bleacher report. And it's just, it's the MLB being greedy. And it's, I think it's, if they don't change their mindset, it's, it's just going to keep coming back and biting them. No different. And there's going to be new examples every year until they change their mindset. And right now it's just universal DH. Yeah. When I told you guys about this, I wasn't intending it to be uh let's talk bad about Rob Manfred podcast, but I'm glad we did it. This was very therapeutic. This dude is the worst. It, it all stems back even when he called the, the trophy, like, well, what, a piece of metal or whatever? Like, come on, man. You're the commissioner of that trophy. You got to treat it like, you know, with the respect it deserves. I, 
just so many things he does and the way he operates. He is the anti-Adam Silver, and baseball is just getting younger and younger, so they need an Adam Silver-type guy to be at the forefront of this. Yeah. But now I do want to get back. I want to get back to the on the field stuff. Let's talk about the NL East. Kyler, I know you're going to ask me about yesterday's Mets game, but I want to ask Garrett a question first. So I have some time to think about my deflection answer. Philadelphia Phillies, Kyler brought up before, they're doing pretty well. How sustainable is this? And are they going to put up a threat for the Braves? Well, before the season started, I had an article out and I actually had the Phillies finishing last in the NL East because of how bad their bullpen was last year. And I know they added Alvarado. I didn't think that was going to change it that much. And they're, they've been surprising me. I think if Wheeler even plays a fraction of how he did in his first start and how he's doing tonight in this start, it'll help a lot. You know, Nola is already an elite pitcher in the league. So maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I don't see him sustaining it that much. I definitely think the Braves are the team to beat. I think the Mets are right behind them, especially if they keep sticking their elbows out for no reason. And I think the Marlins and Nationals are also sneaky teams. So, I mean, you know, good for them, and I hope they prove me wrong. I just don't see them competing with some of the better teams in the NL East, though. All right, so, so are we going to talk about it now, or do I got to say it? I mean, he pretty much covered everything. All right. Okay. If you're mad about the way the Mets won yesterday and what Michael Conforto did, you've obviously never been a fan of baseball. He just did what any baseball player would do to win a game. So what? He stuck his elbow out. It's the Marlins. The Mets are going to win anyways. It was Uncle Stevie's first game. They were going to lose that. Okay. The Marlins have made the playoffs more recently than the Mets. Okay. I'm just saying. Mickey Mouse season. I don't want to hear it. All right. And And they sweep the Cubs. They sweep the Cubs too. I'm just saying. Last season doesn't count. It was, it was shortened anyways. It was just dirty. You know, I, I feel like if he likes to get hit that much, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he caught one between the shoulder blades today. And I wouldn't have blamed the Marlins at all. That was a horrible play and it was a horrible call. And, I, you know, I, but, I mean, it's a win, I guess. It's a Mickey Mouse win. And then you can do about it. That's my two cents on it. Yeah, so as a Dodger fan, I have backed Chase Utley for years and um i've seen utley stick out his elbow many times also we don't even have to talk about the ruben tejada uh chase utley slide Mm. um i don't want you to cry or anything on the podcast (laughs) but all right uh, all right so this guy's talking about this this guy knows how to win a baseball game dirty i don't want to hear it it was one game i'm saying it would be hypocritical of me to to come on here and talk about how Conforto shouldn't have done that. I can't blame Conforto. I can blame the umpire, as I often do. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. As Gary, Keith, and Ron, the best booth in baseball, possibly sports, elegantly said, it was wrong. But, like, what are you going to do? You know? They won. I mean, It's over. Bases were loaded. It's the Marlins. It's April. Come on. It's one game. I Okay. Here's another thing about Rob Manfred. The fact that this is like was the most talked about story this week and Shohei did what he did and like Trevor Bowers actively getting investigated, but we're talking about an elbow pad in a hit by pitch. Like that's just the problem with baseball. They market the wrong things. Trevor Bauer is like literally recording everything, but you don't see that. Mike Trout is probably going to be the best baseball player of all time. You don't see his highlights. 
we see people getting doinked in like the bottom of the ninth. That's that's what's bad about baseball. We're marketing the totally wrong things. And now we gotta we gotta waste precious time on here talking about Mickey Mouse wins and beating the Marlins. Let's talk about the NL Central. Fair enough. Okay, so I did not think that the Reds would be that good at all. I thought the Cardinals were going to win the division by at least 10 games minimum. Um, And the Cardinals still look good. I mean, Arenado is off to a good start with them. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Reds are just incredible. I mean, their offense is so good. And their pitching with Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray is still great. So they actually have the ability to win the division, which is very surprising. Oh, I agree 100%. I feel like the NL Central is probably the weakest division in baseball right now. And the Brewers don't look good and the Cubs don't look good. And the other team in that division is the Pirates, so we don't even have to talk about them. So it's a, it's, it was supposed to be a one-team race, but if the Reds continue to play good, they can make it a two-team race and sneak into the playoffs. I don't think there will be a wild-card team from that division. But I guess if they get into a shootout and it comes August and they're both going for 90 games, 95 games, they could surprise everybody and get two teams in. But the Reds look better than the Cardinals through the first week, and I know it's just a small sample size, but it's impressive to watch the Reds play baseball right now and hopefully they can keep it up, you know? Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals are still winning games but the Reds are just dominating games. I'm glad you brought up the Brewers, Garrett, because Christian Yelich's early season struggles, I'm not sure when we get worried about it. He's been, since he came to Milwaukee, one of the best players in baseball and hitting for average. And now he's striking out at a clip that he hasn't his whole career. So for the Brewers, the offense goes as he does. And you can tell by the slow start, he hasn't played well. So the rest of the team hasn't been able to either. So I think that the Brewers should start to worry maybe if another week or two of this and see that it's not just a slump, that this could be a 2021 forecast for his season. But the Reds and the Cardinals, this is going to be – this is going to be seven to six games all summer long. Whichever pitcher's arm falls off first, that's the team that loses. So the NL Central is going to be just like, except when it was the Cubs and Cardinals, it's going to be the Reds and the Cardinals for the rest of the summer. Yeah, I agree. And going back to Yelich, I don't, I don't, I don't get worried yet. 2020. I mean, the Dodgers won. That's a real that's a real ring, in my opinion. But I look at some of the batters that struggled in that season, and I, I do kind of give them a pass. And Yelich is a different story than some of these power hitters. You look at Chris Davis when he started getting the yips, and he never came back. Um, and the other Chris Davis, the one in Oakland, same thing happened. But Yelich was a contact hitter before he was a power hitter, and I think it just takes one good series, one good weekend, and Yelich will be back. And, I mean, if it doesn't come in the next month, yeah, okay, then I do start to get worried. But, I mean, we're a week into the season, you know, and you can you can pick on other players too. So I'm not going to give Yelich too much flack yet. But if he wants – but it's up to him to make the Brewers competitive. And this is the perfect opportunity in the week's division of baseball. So if, if he isn't able to bounce back, it would be a huge disappointment, especially given that he's two years removed from winning the NL MVP – and should be leading this team to at least a chance at a division title. 
Yeah, I thought that Milwaukee outfield was going to be one of the best in the league with Yelich and Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley Jr. and their top prospect, Garrett Mitchell, who I also love. Um, but, I mean, they, they've each shown flashes, but, I mean, I'm starting actually to worry about Yelich a little bit because he needs to carry. And even if he gets back to being good, he needs to get back to being amazing for the Brewers to be true contenders. No, I agree for sure. So it's been eight total days of the MLB season. Storylines are all here. This is shaping up to be one of the better seasons. It's it's going to be someone, whoever wins the World Series, will win it because of a pitcher. And that is what will be the hottest commodity in July. I don't think the juice baseball has gone. I think that they said it was, but I mean, you can tell in these empty stadiums, it sounds a lot louder anyways, but the ball's flying. Everyone's having fun. We saw last Saturday, Castellanos, he was in midseason form, rage mode. 2021 will make up for the lost 2020 and baseball's back. I'm glad we got to talk about it for an entire season now. A big thanks to Garrett and Kyler for joining me. I'm going to be back here tomorrow. We're going to have a Champions League preview. And yeah, it's really nice to talk about baseball. I'm glad I got some of that stuff off my chest. I guess I needed to. I, I didn't know. Uh, thank you guys for joining. Thanks for listening. Everyone stay safe and have a great night. Before we leave, Adrian Beltre for league commissioner. I can get behind that. Yeah. <laughs>